But as we go forward here into our, our message today, we're going to be speaking um, in the first of a few parables that we're going to be working through in the next few weeks. And last week, if you were here, you know, I, I talked about the concept of finding rest in Jesus, that if you truly need rest for a weary and a burdened soul, that there's nowhere else to look than Jesus. And there's an open invitation to everyone to find rest in him. In the same way, if we're in Matthew 11, uh, a couple weeks uh, last week, we're in Matthew 13. This week, if you just want to start flipping forward to that, that if you want great treasure in your life, something of immense value, there's nowhere else to look but Jesus. And I love speaking on parables because it's just really jam packed with all of this kind of hidden meaning and these lessons and these truths that you find. And the more you look into it, and the more you seek the truth, the more it's revealed to you through these stories, and and these two stories back-to-back are just jam-packed with lessons for us about finding our worth and our value in Jesus. And he uses these hidden treasure stories because we all love a good hidden treasure story. It's just really captivating and and fascinating. And and even today, we love the stories of, of someone who went to the yard sale and accidentally bought the priceless piece of art. Or the one who is tearing down their walls and found these stock certificates from the 1920s that are worth millions. We love these stories because we know that they happen. And it gives us hope that maybe there is for us some life-changing moment that could be just around the corner. But the lesson today is that life-changing moment, that eternity-changing moment, is available to us all. And it's found in knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. In him is the greatest treasure. And so if you're open to Matthew 13 now, we're going to read these two short parables uh, back to back and and talk a little bit about them. But before we do that, I just want to pray for us now. Because I think this message we're about to hear is very applicable, but also it's going to be very challenging for a lot of us. And Jesus wants you to view him as your greatest treasure, but it's going to require a bit of sacrifice on your side as well. So let's just pray. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to your hearts in this time. So pray with me. So God, as we uh, read these two parables that are, are quite short, very easy to understand, and God, the application is, is, is very hard at times for us. And so I pray for all of us that this would be a time of self-reflection, a time that you speak to us with your Holy Spirit, your truth. But God, help us to understand in our own lives, if there's something that we've placed in front of you, if there's something that we don't want to let go, God, may you just convict us wherever we're at with, with your truth. But God, may we just, more than anything, rejoice in the fact that we can find you as the greatest treasure of our lives, that we know that all of our sins can be forgiven because of what you've done, and that you offer to us eternity in your name, in your kingdom. So God, I just pray that you bless this time, speak through me, speak through these words, and God, reach every one of us where we're at today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We read uh, all three verses here, Matthew 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant 
looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And we just read these three verses, it's really hard to understand what point exactly Jesus is making. And so it's helpful to really put this into context, who he's talking to, when he's speaking to them, and what he said around these verses. And, and these two parables are part of a long string of parables in Matthew 13, in which Jesus is explaining to people what the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like. And to be clear, in, in Matthew, he uses the word kingdom of heaven. In the other gospels, it's referred to as the kingdom of God. They're the same exact thing. And, and Matthew says kingdom of heaven because it helps people realize that it's not a kingdom of this world, but it's God's kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. And Jesus spoke a lot about the kingdom of God. Because people then had a really hard time understanding what that meant. It's much like us today. What, what does the kingdom of God mean? And we have a barrier in our own culture because we don't live in a kingdom with kings and in the lands that they rule. But, but they did, and so they could understand it. But maybe to a fault. Jesus had to spend so much time explaining the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven because they automatically assumed that it would be portrayed in fleshly ways or earthly ways. They thought that the Messiah was going to come to build an earthly kingdom and create a spot where Christians could rule in, in peace and security and comfort. But Jesus spent a lot of time to explain that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven was unseen to many people, that it was a spiritual kingdom, at least now, one day Jesus will come back and, and rule on the earth. But they got it wrong in a lot of ways. See, they, they put their confidence in the fleshly things. And so they thought, if I want to be a part of the kingdom of God, it basically means I need to be born in the right family and I need to do the right things. It's about the flesh. And they prided themselves in bringing their genealogy all the way back to Abraham. And so if they knew that they were born in the right bloodlines, they thought, I'm automatically a part of the kingdom. And if I do all of the works of the law, if, if I do enough good things, and I do everything as, as, as God tells me I should do it, then I'll be a part of his kingdom. But they have their confidence in the wrong areas. It's much like today we have the same issues, where you think if I'm just born into the Christian family, if I do a lot of charity work, if I advocate for justice, if I attend church every week and lead the Bible study and I give to the offering plate every week, then I'm a part of God's kingdom. And none of these things are bad. I want to make that clear. In fact, they're all very good in their own ways, but none of them bring you into Christ's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Simply put, the kingdom of heaven can be defined as God's people under God's rule. It's the realm in which Christ reigns. And this could really mean the kingdom of heaven means this is what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, to be a believer of Jesus. And so he spent this long time explaining through his various parables of what the kingdom of heaven really looks like. 
And now in this moment, he's taken his disciples off to the side, away from the crowds, and he's giving them some private lessons. So he's speaking just to the 12 disciples here. And if you put into context what they've experienced up to this point is that that about two years ago, Jesus called them away from their everyday lives, and they left it all behind. Their jobs, their homes, their family life, their friends. They've lost financial income. They've lost the security in life. And now at this point, they're starting to feel the pressure from society as disciples of Christ. They're feeling the hatred and the disdain from others. There's this danger of harm, imprisonment. And shortly before this, just about a week before this, Jesus told them, if you think it's bad now, just wait. It's going to get harder for you. And so the disciples are such incredibly average people, like me and you, that if you put yourself in that position and think, what would I be thinking It's probably what they were thinking. And so they're starting to ask themselves, is this really worth it? Is it really worth giving everything up in my life to follow Jesus? And they needed some assurance from Jesus, just like we need assurance from Jesus from time to time. And so he gives these parables to tell us, yes, it is absolutely worth it. If you're called to give up everything for the sake of Christ, it will be worth it because our greatest treasure is found in him. And so I want to emphasize off the top, if you're a follower of Jesus and you felt sacrifice in your life and you're wondering, is this really worth it? It absolutely is. No matter what you've sacrificed and no matter what you feel called to sacrifice, it is worth it to follow Jesus. And so let's take a look at these two parables one by one before we kind of unpack some lessons and some truths we find in them. And the first is the hidden treasure story. I'll read this again. That the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. Now, what's important to note in this case is this man was not seeking treasure. He wasn't a treasure hunter following a map or a clue. He just kind of stumbled upon it while he was out in a field. And we don't know what he was doing out there. Maybe he was traveling along a road and saw something. Maybe he was a worker in the field. But, but the point is, is that he just kind of found it. And he recognized immediately that there was value here. And these hidden treasure stories captivate people, just like they do today. And I love reading these stories. And I'm going to show you a picture here, which might not mean much to you. It's fuzzy. It's grainy. You can't tell what it is. But this is the actual picture of what became the most valuable treasure, hidden treasure discovery on American soil. And it it was 10 years ago, 2013, in California. And what had happened is the couple uh, was taking their dog out for a walk on their property, a place they had been many, many times before. And they noticed something rusty poking out from the roots in a tree. And it's it's getting to be nighttime. And they took a stick and they're kind of just scraping it away to find out what it was. And and they found this can. They took this picture before they took it out of the ground. And they thought it was just an old paint can. 
So they're going to bring it back to their house to dispose of it properly because they thought it was probably lead paint. And then they noticed a little crack in the can and looked inside and it was filled with gold coins. Now this is the first can that they found. And upon inspecting these coins, they realized these were all $20 gold coins from the mid-1800s, which are extremely rare. And they went back out, they canceled, they called in sick to work all week, they went back out with metal detectors, and in total they found six cans, these are three more of them, that were filled to the brim with these gold coins. And in total there was about a thousand coins, and the face value of them by themselves was $31,000. But the market value, because they were so rare and in such good condition, was somewhere between 10 to $12 million. This is why we love treasure stories, because in my mind, it's like, okay, if it could happen in California, it could happen in Maple Plain, right? You know, And if you're a dog owner and they're begging you to go out for a walk... Maybe take them out for a walk and see what happens. And there's this, this, this moment where they just stumble upon this treasure that changed their life forever. And this is exactly what happened in this parable, something that they could identify with. And, and we look at uh, hidden treasure as kind of like a rare thing now, but it actually was an extremely common occurrence in this day and age. It was a time where if you had valuables that you wanted to keep safe, there wasn't a Wells Fargo or a credit union, you had to bury it. And most of them would keep it in their house, but it was a time of, of a lot of civil unrest, unstable societies, and if a new uh, kingdom was pushing through, you had to bury everything quick before they had raid your house and take it. And so there's buried treasure in a lot of areas that was neglected or forgot or the owners ended up being killed or captured. And so it happened a lot. And when I read this story, the first thing that pops in my mind is, was this shady? Like, was this legal or ethical for this guy to find this treasure in someone else's field and then buy the field from that owner without telling them and then taking it? But it's such a common occurrence that they actually had laws. They had rabbinical law of what to do with hidden treasure. And the law was pretty much this. Finders keepers. Whoever found the treasure could keep the treasure regardless of where they found it. And so what this is telling us is that this man didn't do what was unethical. He went well beyond what was legally right. He joyfully gave up everything he had to obtain this treasure without question. And that's the point of all of this. The most important point of all of this is that you see that he did this in his joy when finding the treasure. And another way of saying that is that he was motivated by his joy. He didn't do this reluctantly. And, and you think about this and, and put it in our own perspectives. If, if you knew you could buy a property for $2 million, but it was at worth, at worth at least $2 billion, right? You had to spend $2 million, but you know it was worth $2 billion. Now, I don't have $2 million if I sold everything I had, but I would start figuring it out all the way down to my last pair of socks, right? Do I have $2 million? But this guy did it without even thinking about it. Everything he had was gone. And in his joy, he went and sold it, bought that field to obtain the treasure. 
That's the main point of this parable is that he is so overjoyed by finding is that he gladly surrendered everything in his life because no matter what there was in his life up to now, it didn't compare to what he found in that treasure. And the merchant and the pearl, the pearl of great value, follows much the same trajectory. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and he bought it. Now, this is not a story of luck. This is a story of determination. This merchant who's, who knew pearls, and, and by the way, pearls in this culture were about what we would look at as diamonds. Pearls were very valuable. And so he knew pearls, he knew what was valuable, but every pearl that he saw in his life didn't quite satisfy him. He knew there was something out there that was greater, and he began to look for it until he found it. Now, have you ever turned over your house looking for something that you knew for sure was in there? Maybe it's the wallet or the car keys or the TV remote, and you're rustling through every couch cushion, looking under every rug, because you know that it's in there. Well, I had a similar uh, experience last summer. Mandy was in our yard. Speaking of dogs, she was throwing the ball for our dog. And she came in the house and said, I think I lost my wedding ring in the lawn. She went to throw the ball for the dog, and it slipped off somewhere. She didn't, go, she didn't know where it went. But I knew, we knew that it was in the lawn. And so the neighbors came over. We were all on our hands and knees going through every blade of grass, but we couldn't find it. We knew it was there. And days had gone on. We still hadn't found it. I went out every night looking for it. It turned into about a couple weeks, and I had not mowed the lawn in this time which made it harder to find it. But finally, I, I borrowed a metal detector, and I went through, and I said, I'm going to keep looking until I find it. And finally, I found it. And it was this moment of, like, now that I found it, there is no other reason to search any longer. That's what this story is. It's about determination. But it's a little different because this man had seen thousands of pearls in his life, but he didn't know specifically what pearl he was looking for. He didn't have a shape or a size or a color in his mind, but he knew when he found it that he wouldn't have to look any further. And so he found this pearl that he decided was worth giving up everything in his life up to this moment because there's no need to look for anything else. He immediately recognized the great value of this one pearl, because comparing it to every other pearl in his life, he knew that this had a great measure of value that could not compare. So we have the backdrop of these two parables. We see some really interesting truths, some important truths or lessons about the kingdom of God. And that's where we're going to end off today, is five quick lessons we can pull out of this. And, and to make one point of clarification, uh, these parables are not about acquiring or purchasing your way into the kingdom. That is not the point at all, but rather it's about desiring the kingdom of God above all else. Because we can never, ever earn our way into the kingdom. Being a part of God's kingdom is rooted in grace. 
through faith. It's about knowing Jesus. And when I say that, I don't mean like knowing him intellectually or believing that he existed at one point. But having this faith and this trust in him as Savior, having this reverence for Jesus as the king of your life and this obedience in him as Lord. That's what I mean by knowing Jesus. And that's the way to be a part of his kingdom. And so with that understanding, the first lesson of the kingdom from these parables is the easy one, right? There's nothing more valuable than knowing Jesus. And both illustrate this fortune of matchless value that they come to. And this, for us, represents the salvation that we find in Christ through faith. That when you know Jesus offers us the forgiveness of sin and salvation in his name, there's nothing more valuable. There's no need to search for anything more in life. That becomes our greatest treasure. And the Apostle Paul kind of details that transition in his life. Because when I talked about the old way of thinking about the kingdom, about being born in the right family and doing the works of the law and having the right status in society, Paul had it all. And he says this in Philippians 3, starting in verse 4. He said, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. He was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, a tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. This means he was like the Jew of all Jews. He had all of the bloodlines and everything he needed. In regard to the law, he was a Pharisee. So he had the status and the power and the position As for zeal or passion, he was ready to persecute the whole church. And as for righteousness based on the law, he followed it to a T. He was faultless. But this is where he found the treasure in his life. And he said, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. There's nothing more valuable than knowing Jesus. And when you find him, everything you put your faith and your trust and your value and your priority and your pursuit in in life does not matter. Comparatively, it's like garbage to knowing Jesus. There's nothing more valuable than knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. The second point is what we see in both of them, is that knowing Jesus brings you to a place of true joy and contentment. Now, we try to manufacture and synthesize joy in our life in many ways, and it usually comes out as happiness. But true joy is only found in the Lord. It's it's something you can only find through a relationship in him. And what we see, especially in that first parable, is that this man found this treasure and motivated by this joy, he went and sold everything in his life up to that point to obtain the treasure. And that's what it's like to become a Christian. And I, I have a the blessing to be able to work with a lot of new Christians who who place their faith in Jesus and and work with them in in discipleship. And consistently, what impacts me most is the abounding joy in their life after they find Jesus. 
And it's contagious. There's a joy in finding Jesus that's found nowhere else. And there's a prayer by David who went through the ups and downs in life. And he prayed in the Psalms that God would restore unto him the joy of his salvation. This joy and this contentment is found nowhere else. And Mark spoke on joy and contentment a couple of weeks ago. So I'll kind of hit this point quick. And I encourage you to listen to that sermon. But we know that everyone is seeking ultimate fulfillment in life. And what you value the most is going to drive what you pursue and what you, what you see in your perspective. But when you find Jesus, nothing else matters. And those who have not found Jesus do not understand that joy. And that's what brings us to our third point. Is that many will fail to recognize the value of knowing Jesus. When you look at these parables, it's kind of just this understanding that these two men probably looked crazy for what they did. And that's what we look like to a lot of people in the world is, is crazy for wanting to give up things to follow Jesus. And the, the hidden treasure, this man sold everything, his house, his clothes, his, his tools, everything he had, his livestock, to buy the field. And so people are looking at him and saying, where are you going to sleep? What are you going to eat? This man found this pearl, and probably hundreds of other people saw the pearl, but they said, the, the price is too steep. That's not worth it to me. And they see this merchant sell everything to pay for this pearl. You're crazy? Again, you're going to sleep on that pearl? You don't have a house anymore? You don't have food? But what are you doing with that pearl? And for Christ followers, we're going to often seem crazy to the rest of the world. We're going to seem like fools. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 says it very specifically, that the message of the cross, and this means it's the gospel of Christ, salvation through him, is like foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, we recognize it as the power of God. Now this should encourage us. If we found the treasure in Christ to want to share this treasure with others. And God chose an interesting method to grow the kingdom. Us. The church. Those who have found the treasure. We're called to share that with others. And if you find this joy and this contentment in Jesus, it's not a labor or a burden. It's a blessing to be able to share that with others. This is what I uh, also grabbed from these parables, which admittedly is, is not a major point, but it's one that really is impactful to me. Is that you see these two parables, they find this treasure in different ways. And that reveals that we all have a unique journey toward knowing Jesus. Now, there's only one way to heaven, and that is faith in Jesus. But there are many ways to come to faith in Jesus. And it's so special to me that every single one of us can find Jesus in a different way. He has a different story written for us all. Even in this room, there's going to be a variety of ways that we have come to Jesus. And I, I identify with the merchant and the pearl. 
If you know my story, I really didn't come to faith in Jesus until I was halfway through high school. But I was a kid that asked a lot of questions, and I wanted to know truth. But up to that point in my life, I thought the way to heaven was through doing a lot of good things and knowing a lot about God. But the gospel was revealed to me at a time where it just instantly resonated. And I knew that once I came to salvation through faith in Jesus, I said, this is beautiful. And I don't need to ask more questions. I know this is the way. And just like the Ethiopian eunuch who asked Philip, the disciple, this is in Acts 8, he kept asking him all these questions about Isaiah 53 and what it meant. And, and Philip shared with him the truth of Jesus, that Jesus was the Messiah who paid the price for your sins, and, and you can find salvation in him. The eunuch knew exactly that's what he was looking for. He put his faith in Jesus. He got baptized right in that moment, and it, as it reads, he went off with joy. Other people might not be looking for it, but they have a friend or a family member who, who shares the good news with them, and they know exactly at that moment, this is what I've been looking for. But the point is this. God has a different story for all of us. But know this. If you seek God with your whole heart, you will find him. And you'll find him in an intensely personal, relational, unique way. The last point is, is probably the, the main point, the most important point of all of this, is that once we know Jesus, once we put faith in Jesus, we must be willing to give up everything for the sake of his kingdom. Now, not all of us are going to have to give up everything, but we have to be willing to do so for him. And we don't really face a lot of hardship and persecution in this life, but there are Christians around the world right now who have to give up everything for the sake of the kingdom. And they do it with joy. Now, this is a hard point for many of us to accept. But Jesus made it clear that there is a cost to discipleship, that faith in him will cost you something. And again, though we may not be required to give it all up, we need to be willing to do so. There's two big problems in the American church. We have a lot of casual Christianity and a lot of consumer Christianity. And casual Christianity is really this idea of Jesus is this accessory to my life. You know, I'll give up what I want to, when I want to. You know, I'll, I'll go to church every couple months and, and I'll kind of, you know, do my prayers when I feel like it. And it's this, this, this tag on to your life of like my life and my priorities come first and Jesus just kind of fits between the cracks. That's not the discipleship that Jesus is talking about here. The other is consumer Christianity, which is about, I'm going to get what I want. I'm doing all the things, right? I'm a faithful attender and giver. I lead the Bible studies. And so this church owes me what I want. So the first is about giving only the things you want. And the second is about getting only the things you want. And neither of them describe the discipleship model of Jesus. Jesus tells us that if we want to follow him, we need to be willing to give it all. That we don't store our treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but we store our treasures in heaven where nothing can destroy it or take it away because where your heart is, there your treasure will also be. 
So everyone has to make a choice between pursuing an earthly kingdom or pursuing the heavenly kingdom. My last question to you is, are you pursuing or prioritizing anything in your life before the kingdom of God? It's a question only you and God can answer, right? Is there anything that you find more valuable in your life than knowing Jesus? What, what truly motivates you? Are you giving it all to God for the sake of his kingdom and eternity? Because when you understand that God is, is calling us to be willing to sacrifice all for him, we remember that he's already giving everything for you. He's already done that for you. And that's an alternative uh, meaning of these parables, is that Jesus was the man who found the treasure. Jesus was the merchant who found, who found the pearl. And we were that treasure, that he was readily willing to give it all for you, because he loved you. But as we close today, we're going to invite the worship team up just for a song as we reflect on this. That our greatest worth is not in what we do and what we have and what we've accomplished. Because all of that is going to pass away. Our worth is in knowing Christ and knowing what he did on the cross for you. The treasure that will not fade. So let's pray before we sing today. So Lord, we thank you for these lessons, and for me at least, this is this is challenging. It's it's difficult because I know that there's things in my life that I'm holding on to that I need to be willing to let go of. But God, we know that knowing you is, is the greatest thing we can ever experience. There's no treasure greater than that. And so as we sing and we reflect, I just pray for all of us now that we'd really be evaluating in our lives. Is there something that we need to let go of? That we need to just trust in you more wholly and and have this joy in simply knowing you. So God, help us really truly mean what we're about to sing, that our, our worth is not in ourselves or in our things or in our titles, but God, our worth is in knowing you and believing what you did for us on that cross, that we find eternal life and salvation in your name. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and close in song together.